right, inappropriate Earl, we're back. Back to one a week now. Because I got a nice steady flow of people who can come to my home and sit down for an hour or so on the famous couch. Many people have been on this couch. Stephen Piercy from Rat, Fred Corey from Cinderella, David Arquette, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Don Fry, my first celebrity. Uh, a lot of guys have been on this couch. A couple girls. And speaking of girls, we have a girl that's on the couch today. She's a very funny comic. A young, rising star of Roast Battle. And uh, we're going to talk about some personal things today uh, that she's had going on in her life lately. And uh, we're just going to break it down. So please, uh, inappropriate Earl fans, put your hands together for the lovely Jean Whitney. Hi, Earl. What's up? <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. You're yeah. good. I feel so uh, honored to be on this couch now. Well, you know, you look at the list of names that have been on that couch. I mean, George Perez, uh, uh, <laughs> George Perez. Uh, let me see uh, who else. Uh, Brian Moses. Uh, it, uh, who? I mean, Eric Abenante. Uh, As Jeff Roston. Jeff Ross will do inappropriate Earl, oh. along with Tyler the Creators coming in to talk about. His cartoon series, The Jellies. Oh, cool. Which I play the role of his father. Uh, I'm the only white guy in the show. And I get to say the N-word like twice an episode. So it's really a fantasy job for me. That's awesome. To get paid to say the N-word. But uh, Because people can't tell that you're white? Yeah. And he saw me at Roast Battle. Oh. Which did is, you say the N-word on Roast Battle? You know, everyone thinks I did. I won't mention some of my past partners. <laughs> who are on big shows on Amazon right now, they said it. Oh. At the encouragement of Ralphie May and the judges' uh, panel that night. But I have never said the N-word. I, yeah, no, I've only ever heard Theo Vaughn, I think, say it once. Well, well that's uh, not surprising. No, yeah, I'm just no. <laughs> Theo's the best. <laughs> but I never heard you say it. I mean, I've said it. Yeah, <laughs> believe Just not me. There. No, I mean, well, the first time I heard that word, I didn't know what it meant, so I, I, I said it, um, thinking it was a compliment towards African Americans, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I found out later that day it, it's not. Mm. So I've never said the word. So uh, you had a very bad experience. Well, yeah, so, I was, uh, you yeah. know, I was playing golf, and uh, long story short. Uh, you know, I ran home to tell my uh, uncle that I shot bogey golf on the front nine at Bel Air Country Club from the men's tees, which is a big deal. If you're, mm -hmm. are you familiar with golf at all? No. Um, I don't blame you. You don't look like the typical <laughs> golf fans are not hot. So I didn't. Well, I didn't know you played golf. I did until someone stole my clubs. Oh, okay. Uh, so I I ran home and I was very proud of myself. You know, at 13 years old to shoot bogey golf, which is very good for someone who doesn't practice. And uh, my uncle just looked at me and said, uh, Earl, that's mm, golf. And I didn't know what that meant. So oh. the next day I went to the caddy yard. Of course, they're all black down there. Oh, my God. And I'm like, guys, guys, my uncle said I shot mm, golf. <laughs> and uh, they were like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> don't say that word anymore. And I'm like, why not? 
Uh, so that's yeah. my. So they give you a pass because you're a kid. They, well, yeah. my uncle was the best tipper up there. He would. Uh, he yeah. was like the. Uh, you're way too young. Did you ever see the movie Caddyshack? Yeah. He was like the Rodney Dangerfield character. Okay. Uh, in Caddyshack, tons of money. He would tip. He would let you drink in his golf cart. So they loved him, but they didn't love him enough to give me a free pass <laughs> on that. And then, okay, when my parents moved to Florida, I still wanted to play golf, so I joined uh, Mountain Gay Country Club, which is the only country club in LA that lets minorities play. Blacks, Mexicans, Jews, uh, you know, Asians, and I was like, "Wow, what a great environment to play golf in!" Mm-hmm. First day I joined, my clubs got stolen. So, oh my gosh, I haven't played since. <laughs> but enough about me. This is about you. I yeah. told you I don't plan anything. Right, right. I I guess I get like nervous as soon as I know that I'm doing a podcast, and then I'm like, "Oh God." Uh, what do I say? And then that's going to be out there forever. And then I'm going to say something dumb. No, I want you to say something dumb. It's good for the ratings. Uh, oh, I've had five guests say the N word and uh, all five. Uh, I said, you're going to edit that out, right? I'm like, Nope. Didn't? Oh my God. You said it. <laughs> you own it forever. Uh, so, I mean, I don't ask, people to talk shit on this podcast but if you uh-huh. have a problem with someone it always is better for uh you know the the ratings oh uh, god um but i don't want you to you're too nice am i nice well i, I absolutely but that's what makes you a great roast battler oh well thank you because see i told you we were going to talk about the show at five minutes and, and then we're talking, we're about talking about it yeah and i love the show um, i know i I mean, all the people that I've battled, I've actually really liked. And at first I had kind of a problem saying mean things to people. Like, I was like, God, I don't want to hurt their feelings. And But then, like, you realize, oh, they're going to say mean things to you, and it should be fun. It should be in jest and not serious. But Well, well you know, like... It's tough, you know, it, it's because uh, there's some level of truth to the really personal jokes. Yeah, I guess. Why I've had to take a break from battling. Really? Lay low. <laughs> uh, I mean, there might be a certain molecule of truth, but um, yeah, I guess there is a lot of truth. Well, I mean, the best jokes are the, I find, uh, for roast battle are the inside, what they call the inside baseball jokes of like, well, you slept with this person, and then, you know, the room, oh, and then, you know, the rebuttal is like, well, you fucked this person, so you're no better, and like, it gets really like, (laughs) get aggressive. Yeah, I guess I was really nervous, but then it kind of has helped me, um, not feel so secretive about like because I've always felt like I had to be really secretive and I didn't want anyone knowing my business ever. So, well, roast paddle is not the show. For I that. know, but now I'm like I don't really care, and it makes me feel like I don't have anything to hide. Like I was very nervous about people talking about Moses at first, or that I was dating him, and then people brought it up, and it 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 was okay. And now if I was terrified someone was going to do a Moses joke, and now I think oh if they do that like whatever, yeah. I don't even need. I don't. Even, I don't care. I don't need to address it. Like, well, I think most people, uh, like, once you're out as a couple or, or whatever, yeah, 
you know, I'm not specifically speaking about you and Moses, but like, uh, you know, the jokes. I think when you're on the DL and trying to hide it, and then it gets out, then that's where the problems can start. Uh, yeah. You know, if like, it's, you know, like me and Whitney, uh, we we weren't really out as a couple. But you were hanging out all the time. And I mean, we were a couple, but we just, you know, uh, sh- uh, you know, we just felt it was better to hide it, mm. just because you know how it is up there. And yeah, um, there's so much, there's so much gossip, and oh, it's the worst. I mean, it's it's I I would say that the store has, much as I love it. And I do love the comedy store. It's the best club on earth. But it's uh, directly or indirectly been (laughs) responsible for uh, the last three girlfriends uh, flying the coop. Uh, So So you were just dating girls at the comedy store? Well, uh, comics. I mean. uh, Well, that's who you meet. Yeah. It's all, uh, you know, and and the last two uh, from directly from roast battle because it's, you know, a such a big part of all of our lives that you know you uh you know you see the same people every week which mm-hmm. uh can be good or bad <clears throat> i won't mention names <laughs> but uh you know so it's all we know like you know i so. feel like every five seconds you're just like this person but i'm not gonna say who it is i like to leave <laughs> a little mystery i actually really like most people yeah I don't. In seventeen years of comedy, I I don't think I have one enemy. I I I like most people too. I mean, there are people that have like pissed me off, um, but in the whole, I kind of I'll get over it, and then I I like them, and I don't really hold grudges with people. See, I do. You do, and it's, it's, it's a character flaw. Yeah. Well. I mean, you hold a grudge like if you saw them, you wouldn't even say hi to them or. Oh no, I like to. uh, I'm a, you know, I hate to admit it, but I'm a vindictive person. (laughs) So you would try to find like some Machiavellian way of uh, hurting them, or absolutely, one hundred percent, good. And I, I'm working uh, at bettering myself. Yeah. In that area, it's tough though. So it's like Game of Thrones all the time. With, oh, absolutely. With, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like when I play hockey and someone slashes me, I never slash them back right away because mm-hmm. I'm all about the mental torture of mind games. I like to get in people's heads. Oh, wow. Well, I don't want to piss you off. Though. No, no, no. But I wouldn't want to roast battle you. Like you're one of the, I mean, uh, you know, you, you and like Leah K. Janian scare me the most. And oh. David Lucas. Thank you for saying I scare you. But I mean that, and in, 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 that goes to show you the wacky world of roast battle, where it, that's a compliment. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there is kind of a side of me that is pretty, a little bit dark and a little bit mean, and I don't um, really get to use it. Which is what's great about roast battle. So, th- yeah, that's a place where it's really encouraged. Which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I think, and I'd like to uh, mention Nicole Buchanan before. Yes. Uh, oh, she's awesome. She's a killer, and uh, and, um, and there's a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> actually, you can just name. We can name everybody. Let me see. I mean, people that I mean, people that I would be scared to battle. Uh, see, those are the only people that I want to battle are people that I'm afraid I would lose to. Yeah. Uh, I, 
because I don't understand people who battle people they know they can beat. It's like, what's the point? Right. Uh, so, I mean, I would say you, Leah, Nicole, uh, Toby. Have you ever battled Pat? Uh, we, you know, um, th- th- there's been a few times we came close. I wasn't quite ready to uh, step into the ring again, but uh, that time is uh, coming. Said so to clear my head of. Uh, I think that's one person I would be like really terrified to battle. I think he's just the best. Like, he's oh, he's an amazing awesome. writer. He's a great writer. He's a great uh, the way he tells his jokes. The only way I can describe it is if you're. If you're baseball fans like when a home run hitter is walking to the plate to bat they have this certain energy and swagger of like yeah i'm gonna hit a home run probably and that's pat Mm -hmm. he knows he's gonna outright pretty much anyone he's up there against yeah and he knows where the jokes are gonna be i mean he's not fat but like you know in roast battle your flaws are exaggerated yeah you know uh you know, with me, it's going to be age. With you, it's going to be your looks. You know, your lips or you know, other body parts that you know are. Someone made a joke once about me being nice, and it actually like kind of hurt my feelings a little bit because it was so good. It was just <clears throat> Rena Hundred said, uh, "Gina's so nice. Um, she would still make you pancakes in the morning if you raped her." And I was like, "That's kind of that might be true." Nothing like a good rape joke. <laughs> so, and uh, it was it was funny, but I was like, "That's so great!" Because how how do you write a joke about somebody being nice? How do you make fun of them for that? Or rape? Uh, yeah. But I had a three tiered rape joke against Olivia. So. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, you know, I had to deal with myself. If the first part got a laugh. Mm-hmm. I would do the second part, and then the second part got a laugh. And then you did to the third part. You know, I did all three parts. And uh, looking back, it might not have been the wisest uh, decision to battle. But uh, well, there's a lot of there's um, generally some drama after you battle people. Like it's supposed to be all in fun, but there I find that there is some drama. Well, especially Either. with the TV show now, it's like it's it's. I think it's much more competitive. Yeah, yeah definitely. People like, really want to win. Like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly want to win. You know, if I ever battle again, I, I'm going to want to kill whoever I'm battling. You know, because it's like, you know, it's, I'm competitive. Yeah. So I obsess on battles, which is another reason I don't do it as much. Because, like, I I think of nothing but the person I'm battling. Yeah. And which then, isn't healthy. <laughs> and then I, I don't have time to write, like, jokes for stand-up. And, and there is... You know, I don't, there's drama that happens, even just within myself. Right. You know, like if I lose, I'm really hard on myself about it. And uh, then I'll get mad at that person and think, oh, they cheated somehow. And then, you know, months later, I'll realize they didn't cheat. They just have better jokes or, you know, like put them in better places. And uh, so it kind of, it's stressful to do it. Oh, it's incredibly stressful. And it's like. Uh, but I miss the strategy part of like, where are they going to hit me? How do I rebut that? I love the, it's like a board game, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is fun. So I do like that part of it, but you know. Yeah, well then you should do one. You know, uh, Nicole has uh, <laughs> called me out. Oh, she has? Um, no way. You know, uh, Pat, 
the great Doug Fager. I mean, there's a long list of opponents. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know. It's gotta, uh, yeah, I have a little file I've started on certain people. Yeah. But uh, do you have anything coming up? I'm going to battle Jay Light October 3rd. Okay. It's a good yeah. battle. Yeah. Jay, someone I'm pretty scared of because he's really good and he's and he's very beloved and but so are you i don't feel like i'm at thank you but i don't feel like i'm as like liked as jay <laughs> i think <laughs> and you everybody are. knows jay more i mean he's there every week yeah. so it's like uh there, i guess he has a certain uh i guess uh popularity you know mm-hmm. uh, you know it's just like cena he's there every week and yeah uh, but that, all that's thrown out the window at the first joke he does bombs or you know you get him with a good one it's like all right you're here every week but this is tonight so yeah, yeah i just got to figure out what i'm gonna say about jay oh there's plenty <laughs> i mean um, we all have weak spots i thought well we should i thought we kind of look a little bit alike like we look like we could be brother sister a little bit the battle of the lips yeah so i was like maybe it'll be i think it'll be fun but that's a battle where you guys could like hit each other on who you've dated in the past or are dating now. Yeah. And it could really get going. Uh, so uh, I love those uh, kind of uh, battles versus two people who aren't really known in the room. And it's like, you know, it's just generic. You look like, you know, yeah, this person, fuck this person. So, you know, uh, so stand up wise. What got you going into stand-up? Uh, did you? When did you start? Uh, I started about four years ago, and uh, I, I guess I always like wanted to do stand-up. I mean, I'd always wanted to do it since I was about seventeen. I started listening to like David Cross albums, and uh, just kind of really related to what he was saying the way I hadn't really related to other things. Like I always felt sort of angry and uh felt like other people were stupid (laughs) and i'd never really heard somebody vocalize that right uh so i just started listening to a ton of stand-up all the time and and um when i was feeling down i wanted to listen to it kind of like an addiction and uh but i didn't think i could do it because i was like oh you have to be super super funny and i'm not no, Funny don't enough. let that stop you. Yeah. So, and then I think I went to some like open mics uh, like five years later and I was like, oh, you don't have to be that funny. I guess people aren't funny right away. I got the idea that like, oh, it takes time to get really funny. It takes time to get good at it. So I um, I met some people out here who did stand up and they told me like where to go. And So did you start out here because you're from Indiana? Yeah, I'm from Indiana. But I started out here. I originally I moved out here and went to um, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Oh shit! And uh, I really wanted to be an actress, and I didn't know if I wanted to be like a. I thought I wanted to be like a very serious dramatic actress, and um, just realized like doing scenes. I don't want to sound arrogant, but like I could get people to laugh in them, and it felt really good. And I didn't realize at all that I was funny at all. Um, 
and I just started to like love comedy and uh I think I I, I took a, a class at Ivana Chubbuck. Have you ever heard of her? Ivana Chubbuck? Uh she's um an acting teacher here in Hollywood. I have not. And my scene partner wasn't there that day. So they're like, Oh, do you have a monologue? And I had one that I wrote and uh and everyone loved it and they I think they still use it there. And then I was like, oh wow, I just really love like being on stage by myself and uh like doing funny characters and so finally when I got the courage to try it, I was out here and uh just went up at like an open mic and it went okay. And then someone's like, hey, we're going to go to Marty's. Oh. Do you want to go to Marty's? And I was like, no. sure. And someone else was like, don't go there. That's where comedy dies or that's where yes. laughter. And so Marty's, you know, it's that one room and Marty's like, we'll say something really creepy to you. And, um, yes. and then you perform for two people and like Jeff Carasolis and, and no one laughs. It's like soul crushing. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who aren't LA locals, uh, you know, you think LA would, you know, any open mic would be packed with industry and audience. Uh, you know, it's a lot like I'm dying up here on Showtime, where you're in delis. It's a nice little plug I just threw in there. <laughs> I'm in four episodes anyway. Um, you know, but there's a scene where one of the guys open micers works at a deli and he does comedy in a deli uh marty's isn't as good as the deli i mean you pay five <laughs> bucks uh marty's like uh, you know i'll probably never go there again so i could probably be a little more aggressive towards marty than uh you know he's like i gotta be honest with you, he's kind of like a creepy old dude yeah but there's some people who really love marty's and they go to Mar they're like it's great you can get as much stage time as you want yeah but i don't i don't see the point of performing for like three people who are not listening yeah what you do is you pay five bucks and you get like a little bottle of water and when i say little i mean i haven't been there in years but when i was there it was like 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 a thimble you can get some shitty coffee too oh that's nice Don't of them. and some people live there like yeah. there's uh you know he does help out comics in that regard but uh you know and you can get your picture on the wall if you're lucky mm -hmm. um I, I'm not that lucky, so. Um, <laughs> you don't have your picture up there? No. Uh, I think uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine has two up there, so there you go. I mean, welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, I have my picture up there, and I'm, like, trashed. Because that's when when I was very first started doing stand-up, I would just go to Marty's, and I would buy stuff at that liquor store, and then I would just get really wasted and then get on stage. And I'm like sitting in the chair and someone took a picture of me and it's just me like sort of half passed out in a chair. And that's my picture. Well, at I Marty's. mean, listen. Uh, so I can go back and be like, wow, things have gotten better. I think someone should film a special there. How funny would that be? Like a legit Netflix special at Marty's. Would that be possible? Uh, with Marty, anything's possible. <laughs> Could people still like go in and out of the sliding? Yeah, but I think you doors. do it like a regular show. Like yeah. you have like, you know, uh, Jeff Carasalis, the legend. Uh, I don't want to say open micer because I don't like that term. It's yeah. kind of dismissive to 
you know, he's a local LA comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think he was an Iraq war vet. So he's, you know, he's, uh, you know, I mean, you know, thank you for your service, Jeff. But, yes, you know, thank he, you, Jeff. Oh, I mean, that's, <laughs> I'd be like the worst fucking soldier ever. I'd be like, oh, you guys go, I'll meet you. I um, would too. I, I, I wouldn't be able to get through boot camp. Oh, I'm such a, I have no, no willpower. So I'd be like, uh, I'm done after 12 push ups. Uh, see you guys at mess hall. But, you know, Jeff is uh, not the greatest audience member in all uh, his service to this country, notwithstanding. It's not really the person you want to be testing new material out. <laughs> no, no, he'll heckle you. He'll be like, this fucking yeah. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Show your tits, Gene. Come on, let's get to it. Uh, I remember after my, uh, my dad passed away, I, I went to the comedy store. It was like the first set that I'd done since being gone for three months and i did as i said something about having to like go home to make sure my brother didn't steal my inheritance and jeff just yelled out oh she has an inheritance i was like shut the fuck up yeah dude (laughs) what's wrong with having an inheritance (laughs) what do you think about all this podcast equipment you schmuck i'm just kidding yeah I don't want to get fucking put in the rear naked. In the, I mean, Jeff's the guy who could kill you, literally, like, with probably. his bare hands. Not probably. Like, I'm the worst fighter on earth, so, you know, unless the person's a lot smaller than me, and I know I could take him. Mm-hmm. So, but Marty's is, uh, you know, it's the stage time is tough in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's not as easy as you'd think, you know, like in New York, you know, you could do three or five spots and walk to them all and and get paid for some of them if not all of them la it's like you gotta have a car you know you gotta i mean like even tonight you could go to marty's and maybe the comedy store you know you're not getting paid for either of those spots no yeah that i guess that is the hard transition is how do i start making money doing this i mean uh i mean boy i mean it took me probably 10 years not to say it's going to take anyone 10 years oh yeah that's the thing i wanted to tell you okay so i i don't drink anymore i'm sober now but there was when i first started doing like kind of doing stand-up or just kind of hanging out i went go to like the comedy store a lot and i would get really drunk and i was with my friend and i i you know i woke up the next day and um and he's like this guy um carried you out and I was like, who, who was it? And he drew a picture of him. And I and he goes, I think his name's Jesus Trejo. And I was like, oh, okay. And then um, years later, I was talking to this friend. And uh, we were talking about roast battle. And he, My friend had said he did terrible. And you were in the hallway. And you were telling him, like, it's okay. It's hard show. It's hard your first time. And I was like, yeah, Earl's great. I love Earl. He's so He's so nice. And. He goes, oh, he was that guy who who helped you out that one time when you passed out at the comedy store. Yeah, you know, I think I do remember and, carrying you out. Yeah, and you carried me out. I had, no, I was like, that was him. So uh, I don't know if you remember that at all. I think I remember carrying you out of the hallway. I I, I think maybe into an Uber. Uh, oh my god. Uh, I, I have a vague, uh, you know, so many. Uh, I've seen so many uh, drunk uh, people at the store. Did you, was I in the hallway? I remember just vaguely, I'm, I'm getting like a weird uh, flashback sequence of somehow 
carrying you from the hallway out through the patio and I think into an Uber. Uh, you know, but it's all good. You're, you're, uh, now do you, are you completely sober? Like, do you go to meetings and stuff like that? Or, yeah. Oh, that's great. You should go to the log cabin on Robertson and Melrose. It's a popular one with comics. Uh, oh, yeah. I won't mention names. Oh, well, you probably shouldn't. Well, I guess, <laughs> well, I guess I, we, I, I guess I shouldn't have been asking you if you're like, no, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty open about it. I've been sober for three years oh and you get the chips and stuff like that yeah i actually here they do like if you have a birthday they do birthday cakes and i was in indiana at the time when i was like my third anniversary birthday and uh and they don't do like cakes there saying happy birthday to you because indiana is all about humility and right and not being too proud of yourself so i brought in a cake and I had everyone sing happy birthday to me and then like cut it up and pass it to everyone. And all these farmers just thought like I could tell it really bothered them. Well, I mean, and in their shares, they were like, sometimes I feel like I deserve a cake every day. And I was like, I think that was about me. Yeah. Well, they yeah. wouldn't uh, do well in LA. No. No. So, um, yeah, so the, the sobriety out here, I don't know, it's very supportive and Is it hard to be uh like I mean, we're around alcohol. I mean, you just did a bar show last night. Do you get yeah. tempted or like No, I don't really think about it anymore. I don't know, I kind of walk in and I'm like, "Oh, it smells in here." Right. And that's the only thing I think. Did you replace <laughs> the alcohol with another uh like you know working out or like you know another like not vice but like um habit probably uh I, um i don't know why i can't think of it right now food i eat a lot of food i eat a lot of sugar okay like what uh what's like your go-to sugar food uh chocolate ice cream i'd say i'd have chocolate or ice cream about every day oh shit yeah not like really not a so I get you know I get like obsessed about my weight a lot and I weigh myself every day I don't know if that's normal do people do that I do you do okay and then um yeah so it's probably now I have probably more food issues with um yeah just eating sugar every single day it's it's hard for me to I'm very addicted to it I just crave it all the time well, it's hard being a woman in this business. You know? <laughs> I know. But I mean, like yeah. women are judged more on their bodies than yeah. men are. Like I'm not judged on my body, even though it's no, you're fucking not. amazing. It uh, is a very so, amazing just body. Kidding, just kidding. But yeah, I had a friend who told me that his manager won't sign women who uh, are a little bit overweight. Like they have to be really skinny in order for him to sign them. Which is crazy. But my friend is fat. So I just like I guess it doesn't matter for him because he's a guy. And yeah, I mean, well, as a guy, it pays to be like you know unusual looking. Yeah, if you're either really overweight uh, or you know like almost anorexic style skinny, like uh, you know the worst thing is for a guy is just to be some normal looking white guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, there's just thousands of you guys, you know. But like a girl, you know, I think they're you girls are judged unfairly. 
Thank you. you know, it's like Sarah Silverman. The first thing you always hear about her is, oh, she's so pretty. Well, she's also pretty fucking funny. Like, you never, it's always she's pretty. Yeah, you do. Or Amy Schumer's first thing you hear about, well, she's a little, uh, you know, not, uh, not chubby, but like. Uh, yeah, but people say it. Th a thick, yeah. uh, you know, she's not, you know, like the skinniest girl. But you wouldn't say that about Ralphie May. You wouldn't look at Ralphie May and be like, the first thing you'd hear about him is he's funny, he's right. hilarious. You wouldn't hear he's fat. I mean, you might you might hear that somebody might say that, but they would it wouldn't be his you know definitive characteristic. Right, right. No, it, it's it is true. And uh, by the way, let me tell you guys something right now. Speaking of Ralphie May, if you want to know the best person in comedy, have you ever met? Ralphie? I didn't mean to diss him. I no, 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 no. Like, but you're right though. The example, yeah. you know, uh, like that's. First thing you hear about Ralphie is how funny he is. And yeah. He's got like. You don't hear anything about the way that he looks. But yeah. Although with women, that's the first thing you hear about. Then, you know, Ralphie's like, like, he's the best. Like, just if everyone acted like him, just be a better, uh, better comedy. Yeah. Uh, he's so humble. Like, you know, six specials. I don't have one. He uh, actually came to my hometown when I, I wasn't there, but. Like he was in the paper because he was going to be there for Christmas. And I was like, how does he even know this place exists? Well, Ralphie, like, yeah. he's just like, I can't. He'll go anywhere, like, and he'll sell it out wherever mm -hmm. he goes. And, uh, he's just like the nut. He's just the best guy. But uh, but I do think women have a tougher income. I mean, I'm sure in Roast Battle, people, like, you know, on the TV show, you know, looked at every girl on, on the show, whether it be season, my season or the the previous the season that just happened uh, like okay well this girl well yeah she's funny but she's got big tits uh, you know yeah I don't think anyone's <laughs> looking at me going his abs are kind of nice or whatever <laughs> even though I'm no yeah and I noticed like as soon as women get on the stage and and roast battle they'll say something sexual to that woman or say something about the way she looks uh, just right off the bat well I think in roast battle it might be a little different. Uh, just because it is, so many of the jokes are visual. Like you look like Jessica right. Rabbit. <clears throat> I don't know, fuck the rabbit. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, right, they're gonna say some. It's whatever it is. It's gonna be prejudice. Whatever they say. Especially on the TV show, uh, which I hope to see you on. Who knows? <laughs> like that's out of my pay grid. Uh, yeah, I have no idea how that works. I don't. And I'm either. not doing a battle till October, so I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I. Uh, yeah, but who, who knows? if I if I like do a roast battle, I just now I've learned to be prepared for whatever they say about me. That's going to be like, yeah, I'm a guy and you're a chick, so I should pretend that I want to bang you or say something like that. <laughs> you're fucking whore. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, it's tough battling a woman like I've only lost to women. <laughs> so really, I've never lost to a guy. Because oh, they're just so much better. Uh, well, they were. <laughs> Are you I saying mean, there's a bias? Uh, no, no. I mean, it's uh, you know, it, like you know, it, I lost to Whitney Rice. She'd never battled before. So, wow. which is what I love about roast battle is anyone can lose. Like mm -hmm. anyone can win. Like you know, Frank Castillo was like uh, number thirty-one in the rankings before you know season two, and he won. Wow. So. Uh, 
But then I lost to Sarah Tiana because I went too easy on her. And I was like, like, well, I can't make fun of her looks. I mean, she's beautiful. But, like, you know, you have to, like, fucking... It ain't compliment battle. Yeah, what would you say about Sarah, too? Because she's, like, sweet and pretty. But I had to... uh, I mean, looking back, I, I... you know like mike lawrence's first joke against her was an age joke age not aids uh i should have done that like but i was too scared you know i sarah silverman's judging i don't want to say anything anything about age because she was upset about the age jokes done to her really i think on the james franco roast she was like upset so i was like well i can't really do that and i can't call her you know, I can't say anything about her body because so I was like, yeah, I did a like a, I think I started with a cute abortion joke, which I love, but it just wasn't, you know, wasn't strong enough. And like, if I were battling you, like, I, I'd have to say something mean about you. Like, I couldn't be like, hey, Jean's great. Yeah. Well, I think you have free reign to say mean things about that other person, though, don't you? But I think it's tougher when it's a guy against a girl. Like, mm-hmm. say it's you and me. Uh, and I said uh, something about, I don't know, uh, something about your body, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, people are going to be like, uh, Earl, what are you talking about? Every guy in this room would fuck her. <laughs> I, they're saying that to themselves. Well, right. Well, actually, um, I've had look, I've had looks jokes done at me and they worked. Well, they can it, work, yeah. but like it's it's a it depends on how they're said because then you could say something about me and well you have to make fun of someone's like a feature that kind of stands out about them right you know like um but I think people uh, would agree with you like if you said well Earl you're blah 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 you're whatever your head is this <laughs> everyone's gonna look at my head and go yeah she's right you know, he does have a big fucking head uh, you know whereas whatever I said about you people would be like Earl what are you talking about like she's fucking hot or whatever. So I think the girl has the advantage against the guy. Uh, Maybe uh, sometimes. I know if I see a girl on stage, I want her to win. That's uh, just me. Like, I'm hoping that she does well. I I think uh, the guy runs the risk of looking like a bully. Right. But I've seen seen people tear women apart on that show, and then the audience just, like, seems to get bloodthirsty, and they don't don't care. Well, I think that the jokes are true. Oh. Uh, the guys like a little more like you know when uh, I think I could mention this girl's name just because she's pretty she's a pretty open book uh, like you know if you have a joke about Lindsay Jennings who we all love uh, but you know yes. she's um, I think she's sexually active I think uh, <laughs> is she is she um, well I mean I don't mean that yeah and, and like, I don't think Lindsay cares if you say stuff about her like that I, no I mean she, yeah I think so, she very much owns you know so like if you uh, do a joke about her yeah being uh, you know whatever I, she's gonna be like yeah uh, I mean I just judged her a naked roast battle which was oh you did oh my god! fantastic gosh. Uh, <laughs> so. I'm glad it was fantastic I mean, I saw a lot of things uh, I just really didn't need to see. Uh, it's amazing that the guys who are in a show called Naked Roast Battle do not groom. So oh, nasty. Oh, God. But Skank So it was completely naked? The judges, uh, myself, Ari Shafir, and Bronston Jones, who I think mistimed an ecstasy tablet, 
So he was a little uh, off balance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, my gosh. And then the, the paddlers were naked. Zach Amico, the host, was oh. naked. And uh, it was. you should do this festival next year. I'm not going to stand naked in front of everyone. No, no, not for naked roast oh. battle. Uh, but like the Skank Fest, it's in New York. It, you, uh, it's like, in the summer. Yeah, like yeah. Nicole Buchanan was on the show. Yeah. Uh, not naked roast battle, but like. You can do spots like they have, you know, it's like Montreal uh, Comedy Festival, but like it's kind of, uh, it's almost like anti-industry. Did you just Google it and then you show you how to apply for it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I think they're doing like an eight city tour now. I mean, it's oh, wow. it's really an amazing, uh, the fans, it's, it's really a festival for the fans. Like, and it's, uh, I think most of the comics are, are popular in the podcast community. So it's really a, and all the comics were really cool. Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, there's more shows than just Naked Roast Battle. <laughs> but Naked Roast Battle is the, I think, featured. Uh, that's crazy. That's Now that's vulnerability. Not only oh, are you yeah. having people say things about you, but you're naked in front of them. Yeah, I mean, every guy, the, probably the, the visual that will remain with me till I'm dead is... Uh, you know, two minutes before the show, every male roaster's in their underwear jacking off backstage. Like, and what? Like, yeah. Well, because they're trying to, like, you know. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it because they want to look presentable. I mean, they want to look presentable to a degree. I uh, thought you meant, like, after the show. No, no. And it was so <laughs> nasty. Like, the, the food table is right where, like, you know, I think there were seven male roasters, three female roasters. But the, the food table is like right where everyone's like jacking off and like touching the burritos or whatever was on the table. Oh. And I'm like, I'm good. Uh, and then the, the women were, uh, I mean, Lindsay was Lindsay, you know, Lindsay was like the most normal one. Just mm -hmm. one girl pulled her uh, roast jokes out of her vagina, which I what? thought was, she had it in a baggie and she's like, Oh wait, I forgot my jokes. Hold on. <laughs> And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if this girl just makes it close, she's got my vote. Right? <laughs> and then uh, one girl was, uh, let's just say it was that time of the month. So it's like a wacky show. And Zach Amico's cutting himself on stage. He's bleeding oh, like a stuffed pig. Uh, Ari Shafir throws urine on him. Uh, was Ari Shafir naked? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, oh. was, he had like some leather daddy jock strap <laughs> ball thing on and you know, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was naked. And so, you know, when a joke would bomb, I would stand up and like, you know, get a laugh, you know? So, you know, it's, if anything could top roast battle, it's naked roast battle. You guys are exhibitionists. Well, I didn't do anything for the attention. I mean, I basically <laughs> flew to New York to like parade my dick in a room full of 300 people, which was, you know, embarrassing and, you know, exhilarating at the same time. Yeah, there's all kinds of roast battles now, right? Uh, but I don't think anyone uh, touches our show. No, you know, the show's great in in Hollywood. It's the I mean, like Moses is the perfect host. Uh, the judges are who they are. You know, Jeff. I mean, you know, Jeff's the reason it's on TV, and you mm -hmm. know, the wave is amazing, and uh, you know, we just have such a high quality of, and high number of roasters. I know, and they're getting like. I mean, every week lately, it's just been out of the park. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like there's top, I think, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the rankings, but like. I wasn't either until I started getting higher up, and then I was like, okay, I'm fine with them now. Well, I mean, I just wish, uh, you know, I just feel if you're going to have rankings that yeah. you know, when you get to certain uh, matches, the, you know, it should be one versus. I'm, I follow the rankings religiously from the standpoint of, you know, if you're number one and I'm number two, we should battle. Mm-hmm. Not someone else who, you know, talked their way into a battle. Like three should fight four. Uh, I mean, I take it literally, so, oh. but some people don't. So, you know. well, I think they're kind of just there to make people be competitive, right? I mean, are they? Do they really serve a purpose other than to create like a era of competition? But for me, they do. But I, like I said, like I take things like you know, uh, I'm a very black and white person. There's no shades of gray with me. It's like. If the top ten is you, know, you me, uh, Jay Light, you know Pat Barker, et cetera, et cetera, then we we all should battle in order of the rankings, and mm-hmm. then the winners get the winners. But you know, I think there's an element of, uh, I guess, pro wrestling to a degree, mm-hmm. from the standpoint of well, Earl and this girl hate each other. Let's put them against each other. They're not yeah. really close in the rankings, but like. I mean, I don't think anyone hates me, but like, yeah, but those people really like those, right? So I kind of there's that, you know. Well, Gene and uh, uh, you know, um, you know, Joe Schmo, uh, they just broke up. Let's put them against each other. It'd be a fun battle. Mm -hmm. Well, he's not ranked. What doesn't matter? I don't think I could do that. I mean, were you dating Whitney when you battled her? Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, and it was a great battle, but uh, I think we uh. You know, I can't blame the battle for our, uh, our our breakup, but I, you know, I also was dating Olivia when we battled at Riot, and uh, that one I would say might have uh, been the start. You know, I, I kind of wish we didn't battle. Looking back, you know, a year and a half later, it's like, all right, maybe you know, you're dating a, you know, your girlfriend and. Well, I guess she would be dating your girlfriend, but like you're battling your girlfriend and you're like saying stuff about her body or whatever. And like, uh, you know, maybe that wasn't the best, uh, you know, because I know she had a joke about my forehead. It was really funny. And then like the <laughs> next day, I'm like fucking looking in the mirror going, am I balding or do I just have a high hairline yeah. or uh, do I have acne? And, you know, and she said something about uh, my dick. I, I, <laughs> and I'm like looking at my dick going, it's big, right? Like, so I can only imagine what she was you know i mean i'm you know you know older than her so i'm she's more mature than i am but like i'm sure she was like he said something about my i don't know stomach or something you know so i don't know uh and then you're with that person so i guess yeah the next week and i'm sure there's always an element of uh did you really mean what you said about my you know Mm -hmm. body weight or like you know whatever so uh that's uh although that's probably my my personal favorite battle i, I almost wish it didn't happen so. <laughs> yeah but, you know i get that yeah. um you were you said earlier i was telling you about wearing um dresses on stage yes yeah well i mean How i would wear a dress on stage but 
there's like shows where they tell women they have to. Yeah, we're going to get into that. We had a little uh, full disclosure. Gene uh, got here on time, but I was so hungry. We had to do a little pre-show interview uh, on the way to, uh, I'll give him a little plug, Z Pizza in West Hollywood, uh, <laughs> where I get uh, accosted every time by Bernard behind the counter. So I have about five gay men right now battling to be... Uh, the object of my desire. He but seemed very sweet, though. Very sweet, but he's yeah. looked at you like, "Who's this bitch?" I could tell. <laughs> I could tell what he was thinking. But uh, we, you know, we got me and Gene got to talk about stand up, and there's a show. Uh, is it a monthly show? I think it might be. It's called Pretty Funny Women, and uh, you know, I, I. Uh, I personally don't like the show because I just think um, I don't think you should. I don't like themed comedy shows like mm. Gay Night or whatever. It's like just have funny comics. I mean, you know. Well, I, don't... I guess maybe because they're. I guess the idea of having all women shows is that there's not a lot of shows with women on them. So when you're doing an all woman show, like you're giving opportunity. Oh yeah, I mean it's. Uh, uh, I just don't like. I to me, it's like, do you really have to like tell these girls to wear a dress? Like, it's like, you know, there's. I mean, I would say uh, it's eighty percent men in comedy, twenty percent mm-hmm. women. I might be wrong on those numbers, but just from my experience, you know. So I think, uh, you know, like the comedy store probably is more f- female friendly in terms of women on lineups and any other you know, I'm sure the improv is up there but you know there's at least three women if not more on every lineup I'm on and that may not sound like a lot but it's like well that's you know 25% of the lineup almost you know mm-hmm. it's, it's not like you know I mean there's Whitney Cummings, Natasha uh, uh, you know Mary Lynn Reichkub, uh, Candace Thompson uh I think half the people, like I told you, that Adam's past have been women. Yeah, he has passed a lot of women. But there are very few women on those lineups. But I, I think that, like, you know, in the grand, I, I think that the the amount are appropriate with the percentages. You know, there's, I would say for every 100 men who do comedy, there's 20 women. But, you know, but, but I might be wrong. Yeah. It's not some scientific thing I've developed but I just like a show like Pretty Funny Women to me it's like just have funny women like yeah that's why I, I I do I really like you know that uh, I really liked my classes there and I gained a lot I took the class because they, t- they teach a class yes which I am uh, adamantly against not this class <laughs> in particular well I wouldn't I wouldn't take a class again but I think when I first started I didn't know what I was doing I was getting drunk and getting on stage. I didn't really know how to write a joke. Um, I just was getting up and talking belligerently. So taking this class was really good for me. I made some friends and I learned some things about joke structure and it just gave me confidence. And it was a good, it was a great class to be a part of. Um, But now I kind of want to do my own thing and I don't want too much outside influence. Unless I like really trust someone to have them like help me with what right. I'm writing, uh, 
what I don't like is that you have to wear a dress if you do the show. And I'm like so defiant that I don't want to be told what to wear. Like if I, I wouldn't have no problem wearing a dress on stage. Um, just if it were my idea. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a dress code. Maybe that's, I grew up in Catholic schools and I don't like dress codes. Not me too. boy. I just, I couldn't fucking take it when I was there. So like as an adult, I don't want to have one anymore unless I'm, no, I'd never want to have one. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, listen, I just don't think you can teach comedy, but like... Yeah, it's you know. it's something that you either have or you don't, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. and you learn by doing it, and a lot of trial and error, and, uh, you know, I don't even know if you can really teach how to write it, like, outside of, like, Neil Brennan coming up to you and saying, hey, this is, you know, I heard your joke about whatever, like, you might want to try it this way, I'd listen to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I have a problem like with, and I'm not saying pretty funny women because I don't know who teaches their class. But it's like most of these people who teach comedy are like, what have you accomplished? Like, how are you going to tell me when you haven't done anything? But that's I'm hardcore on stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Jason Galerna is the best joke about, uh, you know, he's going to start teaching stand up comedy. To people who teach stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Lisa Sunstead teaches pretty funny women. She's like had a really good career, and I think you know she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, um, I mean, hey, fuck it. And she was, yeah, she was a good teacher. I uh, now I feel like I'm I'm tearing her down or tearing the show down. Oh, but I don't want you to like. I, I don't want to do it all. No, no. Um, uh, I was just thinking today, like, I don't know if she'd even put me on her show, but I'm like, do I want to, do I want to uh, try to get on this show? Because I feel embarrassed to feel like, oh, I'm on a stage and I'm a girl and we're all wearing dresses. Yeah. I mean, I think if it's, it just kind of makes me feel embarrassed. If like, it's a girl's natural character to wear jeans and a, a ripped up, uh, I don't know, kiss t-shirt. I mean, I don't know too many girls who'd wear that outfit, but, uh, <laughs> Let them wear that. I don't know. H and M has some some band T shirts now that they're selling. Oh really? I might yeah. have to go there uh, <laughs> and get and get you some. Pick up a good rat T shirt. Uh, yeah. But you know, I I just think, I don't think you should force people into like a, you know, if if it's a girl style to dress like a boy, let them dress like that. You know, so. Uh, yeah. But everyone's on their own path. You know, if you get good. Uh, any good out of a comedy class i guess it's worth it you know i just think it's like the equivalent of teaching someone how to slam dunk a basketball if they can't jump it's like what's the point (laughs) but what if they can jump and you can help them with uh their technique of yeah i mean it's it's, anything's possible I, i just uh i don't know like if uh theo vaughn is teaching a class on comedy i would take it because he's, you know, and not to say that making money is the only barometer of, of making it, but like mm-hmm. he's on Netflix, he's the headlines all over the world. You know, he can tell me, hey, Earl, this is how you should go about this business and be probably right. So, you know, but if you got good out of this gene, <laughs> then I employ everyone to go watch Pretty Funny Women. I think they have shows at the comedy store and the improv. Yeah, they should. 
I'm not sure if they've they muscled their way uh, into the Laugh Factory yet, but uh, who knows? I haven't been to the Laugh Factory in a long time, so. I haven't been there either, too. I, I, I'd like to go there. Well, it's not but the it's friendliest not like, place. Yeah, it's not like a hangout place like yeah. the comedy store is. You pretty much go so, there. You They charge comics to go in there. Oh, really? Unless yeah. Unless they're, like, famous or. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like, uh, I went there for a friend's showcase. And I'm like, oh, I'm a comic. They're like, great, 20 bucks. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I, I didn't say it in a cocky way. I'm like, oh, I'm just here. I'm a yeah. comedy store guy, you know, whatever. And, Great, twenty bucks, two drinks. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah, this I mean, is a business. Man. Oh, I get that, but like the comedy store, they welcome up. I mean, they let Boone Shakalaka roam around and sell his fucking t-shirts. Yeah, I mean, he turns it into a swap mate. Uh, yeah, and I feel always pressured to buy from him. He's very aggressive with his sales. He tactics. is. He's like, hey, girl, you like this? You mm. like Marie Antoinette? I bought a fucking Marie Antoinette book from him and I don't even know what happened to it. I'm like, I'm not going to read this huge ass book. Yeah, I mean, his uh, merchandise, he needs a new buyer because, uh, <laughs> you know, he uh, he tried to sell me a book, I think last night, uh, Hollywood Jews. Hollywood <laughs> it's like, what Jews. am I supposed to do with this? Like, Actually, I can see you reading that book. Well, yeah, I might, uh, but it was like, you know, uh, do you have any like hockey books or books on Kiss or like anything? He's like, oh, I got a kiss for you. I'm like, I'm good. I got a kiss for you. <laughs> and he starts doing material, and he's like, get the fuck out of my face. Now, um, we're gonna take it to another level right now. She's, uh, if you don't mind, and I can edit anything out. Okay. I try not to. I really have to pee. You really can have I to pee. So you I pee. I'm going to talk, uh, I'm going to solo this till you go back. Okay. The bathroom's right okay. to the right. I think it's clean. Not that. Oh, sorry. So, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's right there. You might hear the leaf blower uh, going on. Uh, inappropriate, Earl. But Gene's uh, awesome. And uh, what uh, we're going to talk about is, unfortunately, Gene just lost her father a couple months ago. And uh, that's actually what got me into stand-up was uh, 1998. I uh, lost both my parents two months apart. I think uh, anyone who listens to this show knows that story. So I won't bore you with that. By the way, it was my mom's birthday, July 29th, uh, Saturday. She would have been 87 years old, which ironically is my hockey number. And a lot of people think when I tell them that my hockey number is 87, that I am a big Sidney Crosby fan. Uh, I actually wore number 87 because I loved Donald Brashear, the legendary African-American enforcer. So, uh, but, uh, tr you know, tragedy uh, got me into stand-up. You know, I think when my uh, parents passed away, uh, I was like, well, I better, uh, I better figure life out real fast. And that was the boost that got me into uh, stand up comedy. And uh, Gene is back. Gene is back. We're talking about uh, the death of my parents, which got me into stand up. Oh, it did? Well, more or less. In 1998, uh, you know, I, 
I lost both my parents two months apart. And it was just basically like, you know, after like the initial five, six months of shock where I was off and whatnot, you're like, all right, I got to like, you know, I was 30 at the time. So I, yeah. like, I got to fucking get it together. Uh, you know, I, did, I was a fitness trainer at the time and I, I didn't really like wow. doing that. Uh, it's only so many times you can sit there and look at someone and go, do 10 push-ups. All right, <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow, Jim. Uh, but you recently lost your father, what, uh, three months ago? Uh, yeah, well, in March. And uh, how how is everything going in that regard? Um, God, it was it was crazy. And you were like one of the people who reached out to me. And um, what's the worst? Though? Yeah, a lot of comics reached out to me, which I was I was like really, um, really was touching to me even though people would reach out and i'd be like i don't want to talk to them i can't talk to them they don't want they don't want to talk to me you know they're just saying it but then you did and then i didn't call you and then you messaged me again you're like seriously if you need to talk like i understand and well i feel like you 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 really have to talk about that stuff with someone who's gone through the loss yeah uh you know it's like same thing with you know going through a bad breakup you have to talk with someone who's gone through a bad breakup i mean it's not nearly the same yeah pain or a divorce or yeah a divorce yeah. or like uh like people who've been molested you know i've never been molested to my knowledge uh but you know you haven't i mean you know i was an altar boy for like six years <laughs> how, how i uh flew under the radar with and this is the catholic church in the 80s yeah uh, <laughs> I mean, this is the wild west but like i think people uh who get molested can only uh talk to people who've been molested to because mm-hmm. they get it um it's probably not the best way to say what i'm saying but i right. I, I think probably very few of your friends have lost parents yeah you know. i yeah people don't uh it was like i remember you said once uh a lot of people don't understand and it's good that they don't understand Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, I think when you think of your parents, you just think they're going to be around forever. Yeah. And they're like, kind of like your safety net. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I like, mean, my, my dad was like my best friend and, yeah. uh, someone that I could call anytime I had a problem. He wouldn't always necessarily make me feel better about it, but he was so wise that he, he could always like tell you something was going to happen and it would end up happening even if it sounded crazy. Uh, so I, I just really loved him. And uh, so when I lost him, I just um, felt like I didn't know what to do for a while. Like I was really lost. And then all of a sudden the house and we just have this will, you know, but it's not very organized and uh i didn't know what to do with it and some of my brothers and sisters weren't on it at all and And how many brothers and sisters do you have i have one full brother and two half brothers and a half sister and my half siblings weren't in the will and my dad didn't give any explanation as to why so guess you know who they want to explain that they want you know me to explain to them why they're not i'm like i don't know that's this is what he made up uh, and then it became like, I got scared. I'm people like the day after my dad's funeral, my friends sat me down and they're like, you need to go to a lawyer. You need to do this. You need to do that. Somebody's going to try to steal this from you. People are going to try to steal that. 
and it freaked me out. And and then I think I called you and was telling you like people are gonna steal my dad's house from me. And well, they can. I yeah, mean, and, and you're like, well, calm down. Like wills are pretty set in stone. And pretty much, I mean, like yeah. Like I was lucky that you know I have two brothers and two sisters, all blood, and we get along pretty good actually. Uh, but we didn't argue over anything. Like we literally sat in a like a Last Supper type of table. Yeah. And it was like, okay, uh, well, Earl, what do you want? And I literally, all I wanted out of the house was the pictures with horses. Oh. So like that picture, I. It's a, audio podcast so you can't see what i'm pointing to but that picture see the red circle yeah and uh they marked every picture with a horse with a red circle so i just took you know oh yeah i see it and there's horses because uh, that was uh my parents used to take me to the racetrack well what happened to the house did you guys keep it or did you oh we sold it, it. Okay. i mean that and we split, you split you know yeah. but like uh you know it was a fairly uh large house or whatever and i think my one sister caroline she wanted my mom's jewelry, not to sell, but just like she was very close with my mom and it probably fit that she get that versus say me. And then, uh, you know, I think my one brother wanted the antique uh, ships that my dad made. And so it was very easy in that regard. But there are some families that I know of where it's like everything's a fight. Like, well, I want the pictures with horses or all. Or... Well, it wasn't, I think my sister really loved this painting that my dad had of Santa Barbara because right. my dad used to live there and they lived together in Santa Barbara. And she's like, can I have it? And I said, absolutely. Yeah. Take whatever painting you want. I mean, I just felt bad, you know, I didn't want to fight in over anything like that, you know, but it was like, you're just not in the mindset. Yeah. Like, haggle over a fucking picture with a horse in it or something <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. some people are you know they their grief kind of gets turned into well this is mine and yeah somebody would have wanted me to have this and it's like, uh, if they did it'd be in the will tuts yeah uh, so and then there's like the i think many of the conversations you and i had centered around just the strict business of when someone dies it's like uh you know, there's state laws, and every state has different laws. You yeah. know, and like, uh, you know, like in, in my particular case, it was Florida where they lived, and they very uh, not bizarre, but interesting. Uh, you know, taxes about you know if the um, primary estate is like a house, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and you have primary incomes in the stock market versus if you own a piece of land uh so it's like all kinds of like stuff you have to do like chop chop i don't know why i'm snapping my fingers <laughs> uh but, no, but you went through this i i don't know indiana yeah they well in indiana they have a thing where uh my dad didn't put a beneficiary on his uh bank account he didn't put anybody else's name on it and my sister, you know, while my dad was dying in the hospital, she's like, if he didn't have anybody else's name on that, what are we going to do? We're not going to be able to get the money out of there. They're going to freeze it when he dies. And I'm like, let's just worry about that when it happens. Let's not even talk about it right now. And 
she was like, no, we have to worry about it. I'm like, yes, but I can't. I just can't deal with it. So when he died, we we did go to the bank and tried to get his money out to pay for the funeral expenses. And they wouldn't let us take any money out for like 40 days, they said. And I was, we didn't have money to pay the funeral home. So I was pissed. I went in there with my brother and I was like, he's been, my dad's been banking here for like 20 years and you're not going to give us this fucking money. Uh, you, you have to give us something. We need like three grand. We need three grand. And eventually they like wrote us, I think a cashier's check and handed it over to us. And what was the point of me telling that? There's just so many rules and laws that you don't think of. And then all of this is like sat in your lap. And my way of getting things done was just to like, (laughs) I don't know. I just got like real tough with people. You have to. Yeah. I mean. uh, And where I before like was very timid. um, And I couldn't be timid anymore because I had things to pay for. I had things to do. Yeah, I mean, life doesn't end. Uh, Like, bills, you know, I think, uh, didn't he have a car loan? Or wasn't there a car that had to be paid off or something? No, he, all of his cars were, you know, he, he, all of his cars he owned. He owned the house. My dad was very much like, pay things in full. Right. And if I can't pay it in full, I'm not going to buy it. He didn't have credit cards and things like that. He, you know, he's like a depression kid. And, um. But like his Porsche, he couldn't, um, I think he left the key in the ignition and the battery died. So in order to get the battery started, you have to like tow it into the dealership or somebody has to come and fix it. And we called the dealership and they're like, oh, your warranty's passed for us to give you a free tow. So then I went into the dealership and I was like, he's been coming to you guys for so and so years and he bought this fucking huge expensive Porsche. Can't you like help us out? He died. Like we don't know what to do. So then they ended up coming out for free and starting it for us and, and taking it in. And, but then we had all these cars that we like, we don't know what to do with. We have to sell them. A lot of them don't run. How do we do that? So it was figuring out like, um, I eventually talked to a lawyer and I figured out what you have to do to sell a car and who can you sell it to and how do you appraise it and and actually it's once you start doing those things it's easier than you thought it was going to be. You get into a business zone. Yeah. And it actually helps with the shock of losing your Yeah. whoever you've lost, you know. A lot of my grief just got funneled into becoming obsessed with like business matters yeah because you got to close out bank accounts you got to sell the house potentially if if, if, you know no no one in your family wants it you got to sell the cars you got to make sure like the insurance might be coming up on the porsche you you still have to pay it oh he didn't have insurance for it oh good for him (laughs) it's a rogue Uh, but there's like stuff like that where it's like there's bills that like yeah the the cell phone bills that he might have had i know it was it was crazy all of a sudden you know i was in i was in la one day and i was remember thinking to myself oh i actually have money to pay for things and have some left over to do fun stuff this month things are getting okay and then all of a sudden like you have to go home right now 
Uh, your dad is dying, so you got to get a plane ticket, and you got to go home, and now you have to pay half of his electric bill. Right. And all all of these things I didn't expect, and didn't have any money. Uh, so it was like it was really trying, but it and then it all worked out. Yeah, in, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> you know just. Uh, unfortunate part of life i guess everyone has to go through i know and people you know i i borrowed money from like michael scherzer and i paid him back um and shout out to michael scherzer who's uh i love his uh, roast battle raps yes <laughs> they're hit or mess but uh he's a freestyle uh how would you say you're uh you know what the kids say what, what would you say he does like he freestyles he freestyle raps which I find fascinating because it's a talent I don't have. So uh, yeah, and that shows you what a good guy Michael Schurz yeah, is. Yeah, Mike Michael's a really great joke writer. Oh, well, he's know. great. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, I I like I love going like going to shows with him and stuff, and his jokes are just real smart, and he's one of my good friends. I mean, but that just goes to show you, like, you know, as competitive as LA comedy is, and. You know, roast battle, we're all at each other's throats, you know, trying to tear each other down. He loans you money. Yeah. Like, so there's a good side to LA comedy that I don't cover a lot on this podcast. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of good people out here. So, yeah. Uh, and I think some people at my work were like, I can loan you money, but I didn't want to take it. Uh, but then I found like, I was just rifling through my dad's shit, like just all of his papers on his desk because he would just throw things and be like, oh, what's this card from somebody? Oh, crap. And then just throw it on this pile on his desk. Right. So I was looking through all the papers. I'm like, because he didn't have a life insurance policy because he cashed it out to buy his Porsche. So Good I'm for like, him. We don't have any money. But then I found some annuity policy from my mother that she... When she passed away, she gave it to my dad, and then he gave it to, like, put us as the beneficiaries. So and you got a couple bucks. Yeah, so I found that. I was like, thank God. Now we can have money to pay for, like, the property taxes coming up and yeah. things like that. And that was a relief. Um, so I, I just I tried to do what I could do and had faith that things were going to work themselves out, and they and they did. And uh, and that's where comedy actually will help you. Like you know, it just keeps your mind off of it, and and yeah. it helps to joke about it. Like not that uh, you know, I think when I uh, when you did uh, potluck that night, I hosted. You might have delved into uh, a joke. I think about your uh, dad passing. Uh, yeah, and it made people sad. Like <laughs> it got people like I got off stage and then I sat next to a friend and I was, I was like that was terrible and he goes it wasn't that bad. I'm just trying to think where they got, like, where they stopped laughing. And I go, I think it was when I said something about my dead dad. And then they just got, like, they froze up a little bit. But I think that was, like, when you were just back into L.A. and Yeah. I don't, it might have been the one of the first, if not the first time you delved into that uh, territory. I certainly do jokes about my parents, uh, you know. Yeah, but I wasn't okay with it, right. and I was trying to make these jokes, and I hadn't been doing comedy for a couple months, and and then I felt bad. I was like, oh, God, 
Earl put me up, and then I I didn't do well. I felt like I don't think you. I think you did fine. I mean, the original room on Mondays is no joke. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very hard room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen the biggest comics in the world bomb in that room. Uh, you know, they pop in on Mondays to do their new material. I mean, we're all everyone does new material, and they don't kill by any stretch. So it's uh, you know, in some ways, it's the best room to do new material in. Because it's like it's the toughest. You won't find a tougher room in LA or in uh, maybe in America. Yeah, in, they say it's the hardest room. And if you can do uh, comedy in the OR, especially on Mondays, which Mondays is for those of you like tonight, this podcast will come out in about an hour with my superior editing skills. Tonight is Monday at the Comedy Store. You've got uh, for 17 comics or um, comics trying to get in there. And then it's the employees who are trying to get in there. And then if the host has any room left, because usually everyone runs the fucking light, <laughs> I can put up someone like Gene or, you know, whoever. And, uh, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, it's 60 comics. Then you have the paid regulars who come in after. So, you know, that it, it's over 100 comics Monday yeah. nights. And if there's a drop-in... Yeah, like uh, yeah. usually they always come when I'm host. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jimmy Carr usually will come in if he's in town. My little roast battle frenemy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like last time Howie Mandel came in, he was very cool. He only did like six minutes. Uh, and then uh, who else? Steve O came in. Oh, he did? I liked him because he was very respectful of the light and he knew what the light meant. And, like, you know, I just dig. You know, there's certain people whose names will not uh, be mentioned on this podcast who are on shows with three letters in them that, you know, run the light by a lot, a lot. <laughs> the light isn't an indicator to, hey, get off. It means get off. I know. It makes me, it actually, I feel so uncomfortable when people start running the light. Well, the problem is then everyone wants to do it. I don't. But like deep down, you do. <laughs> like, do I? Well, if if I'm going on before you, yeah, and I say we're getting five minute sets, and I do eight, nine and a half minutes, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's basically double your. You're doing two sets. I mean, if it's like if everyone's doing five minutes, so you might want to go. Well, he did uh, none. I'm gonna do one extra minute or two. You know, or maybe that's not how you think. Mm -hmm. But then the person after you, well, Earl did five extra minutes. Gene did another two. I'm going to do one more bit then. And, and then that's like on Mondays at the store, that's how it goes. Everyone, well, they, this person did it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It's like. And then you get on a roll of everybody's now running the light. Yeah. And I feel awful. Like, you know, the last couple spots I have, I try and give out to my friends, mm -hmm. you know, and I, like last time I hosted I think I told 10 people to come I said I'll do my best there's no guarantee so don't like it's probably not going to happen but if you want to come come and out of those 10 people I got two up I just imagine in that situation what Larry David would do he would probably just start clapping while the person was on stage and be like okay that was great no, all I right thank you <laughs> well when I have a keyboard player uh, I have them hit the note at when they are 
15 seconds over. It's usually Avery or, or Jeffrey Baldinger. Mm -hmm. And if they hit 330, I have them play a whole chorus. And people still don't get it. And oh then my gosh. if they are over four minutes, they start playing an 80s metal song on keyboard and I'll sing it. It's some still some people won't get off. It's oh like I'm gosh. singing in the corner. I think that's a <laughs> fucking I'm singing Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. Let's fucking so rude. Uh, I don't know how we transitioned from your dad to uh, people running the light at potluck. Well, I think we were talking about you joking oh, yeah. about it. Oh, uh, yes. Which I think will help you. Like it, that helped me. Like, I mean, I was, I was pretty bad my first couple of years in stand up. So uh, my jokes about my parents weren't the best because uh, I would joke about the funeral and, you know, it's, it's amazing the scams that funeral homes run on you. Oh, really? Well, I, I, they charge it, you for every single thing. You yeah, know? like if, there's, uh, and you got to pay them right away. Yeah, you like I just assumed when you die, like you you buy a casket, and that's it. They just they don't put you in the ground, and yeah. Like, but there's a fucking like a holding, like a cement holder that holds the casket, and like so you have to buy that, and then that's five hundred bucks. At least the place we were at, and. Uh, the guy tried to sell me a twenty thousand dollar casket for my mom, uh, who passed first. And I'm like, "What are you, twenty thousand dollars?" And he's like, he opens it up. He's like, "Hey, there's a lot of room in there, and like your mom will be real calm." It's really, it's, I'm not doing a joke. Like, this is, I'm not doing a bit to you, but it, I know. But what are they? What What do they need a huge casket for? What are they gonna do? But it was just like this guy's blind salesmanship. But yeah, this guy just lost his mom literally yesterday. Uh, and I was as close to my mom as you were with your dad. Like she was my homie, <laughs> and he's like touching the headboard of the casket. A lot of headroom, like it was insane. <laughs> and like it's uh, velour. It's, it's your mom loved. She's, like, she's fucking dead. She's not gonna feel any of this. And two months later, my dad died. He started selling me the same fucking casket with the same sales oh pitch. Oh my gosh! So well, this is the five thousand dollar casket, but I wouldn't bury my dog in that one. And it's like. And of course, I, we bought the most expensive casket. So you know, people it's just, bury their dogs in caskets. I have, uh, I have my last four deceased dogs are on my nightstand. Oh, you you cremated them? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I love That's so sweet. Mama, Chloe, uh, Boogaboom, and Messier are sleep with me <laughs> nightly. Where is your dog? Uh, I split it with my ex. Uh, we um we it's very informal lois is uh you know you take her for a few months mm -hmm. oh my know, gosh really i'll take her for a few months i mean i think gail has had lois now for about four months but then she goes out of town i think this month to uh, visit her parents and i'll get her for a few months so you know, it like, all works yeah, out. joint custody we're, we're pretty cordial with each yeah. other like i'm uh I uh, I'm pretty cordial with all exes, and parents are my specialty. That's good. I have parents from five girlfriends ago who still invite me over for dinner. And, really? Yeah, they're like 85 years old. You know, I mean, I try and leave. Uh, of course, no one breaks up on a good note. I so. don't talk to any of my exes. I mean, I pretty much talk to all of mine. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I. I, I just realized uh, uh, one of them from like years ago unfriended me on Facebook. 
and I didn't, I know, I don't know when he did that, but I mean, I, I understand that I think he's like almost engaged. Maybe, maybe something happened there and he, he just didn't want to see my stuff, but I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends on what you're, uh, I've never blocked someone, uh, an ex from, you know, I don't know. Think of anything, it's good they see what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I found out that he's like become this musician who was on um e magazine or something. And I was like, Oh well, good for him. And I wanted to like kind of look at the thing, but I'm not his friend anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that's such a burn on me. I mean yeah. he probably still likes you or liked you. We ended on good terms. But you know, you know, you're a hot babe, hot catch. So I'm sure it's like, even though he's moved on, it's like, I don't know, fuck, that's the one that got away. <laughs> I don't know. I want to see but her thank with some you. dude. Yeah. Roast battle, you know. Probably. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, uh, so yes, Lois will be back. And a lot of people ask about Lois. She's yeah. a legendary figure in the world of LA comedy. But Lois will be back. My My dad just wanted us to cremate him. He just want to be, he's like, I want to be cremated. I want to be spread in uh, Santa Barbara. He used to live in like this cabin in the mountains with my mom there. And did you guys do that? Uh, we are going to do it next summer, I guess. We're going to get all the kids together and, oh, that's and cool. go out there and spread them, spread their ashes together. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I'm a big believer. Like, Yeah. But the funeral home guy... I don't like I got in an argument with him once. I don't know. I was just crazy. Well, I was they're getting just... in a lot of arguments with people. I was like yelling at people a lot. But you have the whole to. time. Because there's so much money and death for these people. Uh, you know, like it's macabre. Like that you know, these people don't care about your dad or my parents or you know, if you lose a brother or sister or whatever, like there's like, money to them. Like Yeah. So uh you know, the headstones, you know, that's, my God, that, that can be a, an ungodly amount of money if it's. Like, I know. Headstones are what? How much? I mean, our grand? parents was a couple grand. Uh, and uh, when I uh, I was the uh, usher for uh, the singer from Motorhead's funeral, and uh, they, he was good friends. This is getting into heavy metal talk, but it just goes to show you that the headstones, like, he was buried right across the way from uh, Dio. I don't know. Have you ever heard of Ronnie Dio? Dio, the band? No, I haven't. You're missing out. Sorry. Legend. No, it's all good. He's a le- you're too young. He's a legendary uh, me- metal singer, Black Sabbath, and on and on. Oh, he's in Black Sabbath? He took over for Ozzy after Ozzy left. Oh, okay. And then in the 80s, he was a very uh, successful solo artist. And uh, But Dio's gravestone... Uh, I I don't know how much it costs, but it had to be uh, fifty grand uh, because it's like takes up like probably five areas. Like it's like probably the side. Once again, I'm pointing to Gene to my wall, and no one that listening is going to see this, but it's probably the size of this wall. Okay, wow. It's, it's got the devil horns because oh uh, he was uh, he and. I don't know if you can invent doing a devil horn sign, but he was very famous for, uh, you know, doing the, the devil horn thing. And so I guess they had to get a special uh, waiver or something 
from the cemetery because you know it's like a catholic cemetery they don't want the devil horns uh you know on some guy's gravestone but the dio got it so uh yeah i mean gravestones can i mean i'm sure lemmy's cost of he's the singer for motorhead uh this wasn't exactly cheap so but that's another avenue of money for these bastards to make and you know it's uh yeah it's a business yeah to these people it is but you know one day their parents will die and their loved ones will die and someone will fucking try and jack them on uh, a deal so um you know well it's good to uh see you're doing well though you know it's uh yeah i actually have found some jokes about my dad's uh death that work now yeah well not that that's the point uh well, if I host Pollock anytime <laughs> soon, I uh, I want you to uh, you know come back, and no other comics don't lie and inbox me that your uh, dad or sister died. You want to <laughs> work out a chunk on my time? Uh, so it's unbelievable the message I get the day of I'm hosting. You, you really? guys, you animals out there. The day before as well. Uh, well, I know you joke about it, but do people really message you and go, hey, what's up? Oh, it's insane. Like, oh, hey, loved you on I'm Dying up here uh, last night. Uh, my episode wasn't last night. Oh, my bad. Uh, well, I loved you anyway. <laughs> you know, I loved you on the jellies, that cartoon you're on. Uh, it's not airing until October. Oh, my bad. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I mean... Where can, if I don't have Showtime, where can I watch I'm Dying Up Here? Because I actually would like to watch it. Uh, I think uh, Showtime has put the aired episodes on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, you can also stream it, I think, online. Um, uh, I think it's, don't quote me on this. I think it's called Showtime On Demand. Okay. Something of that nature. And uh, I mean, it's seeing that you're a comic. I think it's a great show. Like, I'm biased because mm-hmm. I want there to be many seasons, but uh, it really touches on everything we go through. Like, I've had to like pause it because I was welling up. Oh, really? About uh, just like the uh, you know the bitterness that certain characters on the show have about why is this guy or girl getting this? Uh, people trying to fuck this guy's girlfriend behind his back believe me that uh, hits home for me uh won't mention names uh you animals uh but i always get my revenge oh sorry my bad my bad (laughs) podcast is getting too real i think i'm gonna try to never ever date another comedian again See, I disagree with you. <laughs> well, because it's like you are shitting where you eat, right? And then things can get gossipy. And then if that person gets mad at you, then you feel bad about them seeing you or... Well, I wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> but you like who you like. you know. Yeah, it's that's like, true. You do. You know, and it's tough. It's like if you, you know, if you started dating Jeff Carousalis tomorrow, I'm... I know that's probably not going to happen. No. But let's just use Jeff as an example. Let's just say you guys fell in love tomorrow. Okay. And Jeff, this is an example. I know you listen to this. <laughs> you, you, you horny bastard. But like Jeff. you know, you you just you can't help dating who you date. Yeah. You know, and like that's all we're around is comics. I'm not around attorneys or uh, lawyers or 
that might be worse. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, in one sense, you think we know the lifestyle, mm-hmm. so we know like when you or I, let's say you and I dated. I'm just I don't know, just because we're in front of each other right now. You know, I have a bad set. You know what to say because you know you've yeah. had a bad set. At, some point in the past or vice versa yeah but if i'm dating somebody who's not a comic and i have a bad set they're gonna be like oh my god oh i'm so sorry oh no like act like it's the end of the world yeah and they don't know what it's like to have a bad it's no big deal what is a big deal like you don't know you've never had a bad set before unless you're like a trial attorney yeah had a bad a comic knows that it hurts but knows that it's also just another set and you'll have another yeah but there is, you know, bad things, you know, like you said, if it ends bad and, you know, you, you know, yeah, you, you have to worry, oh my God, I'm going to run into them and like, they're, they are they going to be okay with it? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you know, and, you know, or like, uh, you know, like rumors, you know, that gets spread around that might not be true, you know, that I've had that happen to me, you know, and then, and, you know, in comedy, it's like, especially L.A. comedy, I find, you know, perception is reality. So if I spread a rumor about, well, Gene's a fucking whore. That's <laughs> probably not the best way to put it. But, like, let's say you and I got into a, let's say you and I roast battle and you beat the shit out of me up there. And I, you know, you know, I fucked her last night. You know, everyone's going to think I fucked you. Well. Well, not maybe not everyone, but, like, you know, all it right. takes is for comic a to tell comic b and then literally the next day it's around hey you know gene blah 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 with earl and then you know gets to the improv and you know it's like a virus it spreads and then gets back to you and you're like i never touched earl i was in san diego that well people could say that anyway though i mean but i've had that like you know happen with one girlfriend in particular because i was giving this other uh say comedy boy you're she was at the comedy store a lot and she lived on larrabee my street i don't know why i'm giving out my street uh hey i'm on the corner of larrabee and cynthia (laughs) if you guys are google earth and uh and it looked probably like i was like going home and like whatever with this girl but i was giving her a ride home yeah like actually just giving her a ride so uh you know so there are, definitely are bad things. I but. know I, when, you know, uh, when Moses, we just were walking, I think, at the comedy store. Uh, there were some people that came up to him and were like, hey, I know about that girl. And she's this and this and that. And you can't trust that girl and blah, blah, blah. And I'm. Not I, knowing I, that you guys were hanging out. And then he came back and told me about it. But I'm like, Wow. Uh, how fucking immature. I just don't want to be around that sort of energy of people getting in my business and being really immature about it. I guess, but there, how you can you prevent that? I mean, not you know, in like, LA comedy. I mean, and people aren't, you know, although people are stupid, they're fairly smart. Like, if you're dating a comic on the DL and like you're on the comedy store patio and then within two minutes both of you aren't there anymore <laughs> like you know like hey uh joe and jill uh, where are they you know, they're gonna put it together pretty fast <laughs> oh they left together you know so i mean you know it is what it is but you know we'll see what happens in the future for both of us 
Date who you want to date, guys. Yeah, you you should. You know, if you love another Unless comic. Unless they're a comic. I mean, you know, my last three girlfriends have been comics. And it went it went okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, for the most <laughs> part. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I think so. I know you, you should date whoever you want. I think you should just be careful, of course. And well, that goes for any time. Who you get involved with and... And you know, I think if you're comics, uh, specifically in the LA scene, you just have to like say to each other, Hey, like, if you ever hear a rumor or whatever about me, just tell me, like, let's just have full disclosure, uh, you know, and so there's no like, because uh, I think a lot of times I don't know how girls are, and girls can be just as bad as guys, but like, I think guys are like, Well, if, if, if this girl's fucking Earl or, 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 whoever they'll fuck me i don't know if girls look at another guy oh yeah yeah well if if Susie's fucking earl maybe i can fuck him too like it's a weird yeah and guys talk dynamic but i'm sure girls are the same like you know maybe it's not the same mindset but you know that's where i run it ran into trouble with some girlfriends well i had a a girl once I was going to meet with this guy just to get coffee. And my friend was like, you shouldn't meet with him. He doesn't want to get coffee with you. Like, uh, you know, he's a guy and he doesn't want to get coffee with you. And I'm like, what the fuck are comics all like rapists now? I can't get coffee with someone. What depends on the cops. <laughs> I can't, uh, can't speak to that situation. Uh, but yeah, like I'm overly friendly. I, I'll I'll say to a lot of the waitresses at the store, "Hey, let's let's go get a smoothie tomorrow." I'm not trying to fuck them, you know. I mean, each scenario is different. Mm-hmm. And then you know, th- there are a lot of the rumor mill, especially at the comedy store, can be quite uh, interesting at times. Yeah, it is, and I don't want to. I just don't want to get involved. I want to go there to work. Yeah, but I think we're both in too deep now. But you're going to get involved. I mean, we're already involved. So, you know, welcome to Hollywood. (laughs) Everybody is fucking each other. Everyone's fucking each other. Uh, That's why I had to, you know, take a little breather from Rose Battle. I had to get out of that uh, sexually charged room. Uh, You know, I got to, you know, see certain people I don't really want to see. And, uh, you know. Uh, it's like uh, I'm dipping my toes in a little bit at a time, so it's tough. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk off air about that, but sure, it's probably a good time as my voice is cracking. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram and all those good sites? Uh, I'm on Twitter and um, at Gene J E A N N E L Whitney. Don't want to leave out any of those letters. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have a website, uh, GinoWhitney.com, and I'm on Instagram. At Gene L. Whitney. At Gene L. Whitney. Well, uh, guys and girls, follow Gene L. Whitney on all relevant uh, social media sites. And uh, uh, my male fans, which um, make up the majority of this podcast, let's be honest, uh, don't send her any inappropriate messages, you slobs. Uh, I'll, just, just, I'll just forward them to you. No, don't force it. I'm, I'm going to block you as soon as this podcast is done. Just be cool. Follow her. 
You know, this is about exposing my uh, friends who I think are funny to you guys so you get to be fans of theirs and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it's like Joe Rogan helped Hinchcliffe. Hinchcliffe helps Duncan. Ari Shafir helps this person, Joey Diaz. It's like one big family. It spreads. You think of all the comics that Joe Rogan has helped, you know, and then they help people. And then it's like that's how it should be. So help Gene. She'll help someone else. And hopefully they all help me, and uh, you know we'll just be one big happy family. Uh, also, go on uh, verbalviolence.tv for all your roast battle news and rankings. If you are into that stuff, uh, you know, follow that show on Twitter at roast battle, verbal boxing on Instagram, and you know you know where to find me. Leave a review on iTunes if you aren't too busy, which I know most of you aren't, so you've got the time. And don't say it's like the greatest podcast ever. Like, just be on. I mean, like, don't overplay the hand. Just like, if you like it, great. If not, don't say you don't like it. One guy said, I liked his interviews with 80s metal guys, but then when he started interviewing roast battle comics, uh, unsubscribed. So, <laughs> but I left it up. I did not take it down. And watch I'm Dying up here. Last two episodes, uh, Sunday nights, I think 7 p.m. And then Ray Donovan starts next week. Got to meet Stephen Bauer up at the Comedy Store. Roast Battle introduced me to Manolo from Scarface, who is the bodyguard on Ray Donovan, to Ray Donovan. Uh, what is his name? Avi. Avi, the Israeli bodyguard. Stephen Bauer, Scarface. Check it out. Inappropriate Earl SoundCloud and iTunes. That is all. <laughs>